I want to do a one-night message called Placed, and then the subtitle is When God's Plan for Your Life Unfolds. Next week, I'm going to start a brand new, brand new series. But I, with the thought of the New Year's, uh, I guess about five or six years ago, I was working out at a place called Gold's Gym. And let me preface it by saying this. When I first started in student ministry, probably about 20 years ago, there was this set of brothers. They were stepbrothers. They were Michael and Brian. And they were like my kids. I mean, anytime that I was going somewhere, they wanted to be with me. Both of them borrowed my, my car back then to, to go to prom. And uh, so they, they were just, I had like an, an Acura Integra. Does anybody know what that is? So these grown, you know, grown 17-year-old uh, boys would be in the back seat of my Integra saying, yeah, this is a lot of fun. So, so uh, eventually their parents split up, so they stopped being stepbrothers. And one of them in particular named Brian went off to the Navy. And so I lost touch with him. About uh, six or seven, eight years ago, I was working at a place called Gold's Gym, and I would go do this class called Body Attack. Melinda, you remember Body Attack, Les Mills Body Attack. Yes, I was one of like two dudes in there, and sometimes I was the only guy in there. So I'm going to class, and right as I'm going into class, there's a machine right by the door. And lo and behold, Brian, who was back from the Navy, hadn't seen him since he had left, so at least two or three years, four years, is sitting right at the door. So us being the macho dudes that we are, we're hugging right in the middle of Gold's Gym. I mean, <laughs> what's, go what's going on? It's good to see you, Brian. And I, I mean, it's like my kid, find seeing my kid, and I didn't expect him there. I didn't even know he was back in Texas. And he, we're talking, and he's telling me what he was doing, that he was back home. And I said, well, where are you? He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just working out. I'm about to go into a class. And he said, well, what kind of class is it? I said, it's a class where I'm like the only dude in there. <laughs> but I don't care. I have fun. We had fun, didn't we, Mo? We had a lot of fun. Taylor, Taylor went to class with me one time there too, didn't we? Put that thumb up there. I mean, it's, it was intense. One time, Melinda was working out in the regular part of the gym, and Taylor and I went to body attack. And when we got done, we came out to find her, and she goes, where have y'all been? It's like, in class. It's like, y'all look like you just got into a shower and then got out without drying off. I mean, it was that intense. Lots of sweat. So he goes into class. So one of, he and Brian and I are like, well, only two dudes in there doing body attack. And he decides to come again another time. It was like three times a week. And he starts coming to class. I'm like, okay, surely you're not really this, you know, Navy guy. You're not that much into body attack. But little did I know that Brian saw a lady in there named Rhonda. And about the second or third class, before class is starting, he leans over and goes, who's she? Rhonda, just, you know, I knew her as Rhonda. She's cute. Well, fast forward, they uh, were married. I did their wedding. They had an outdoor wedding. It was really pretty. They own um, two F45s, if you know what F45s are. And they own three crumble cookies together. Uh, and then he also owns a, a, like a fire with it, what you do, the fire suppressant systems. And so that's my wonderful claim to fame is that I put them together. But I thought about, I was thinking about the, the thing placed, that what was the likelihood that God would place Brian at the door to the Les Mills body attack class and that I would run into him and he wouldn't have gone, in, gone into that class on his own for any reason. 
and went into class and then met Rhonda, and of course the rest is history. If you've ever been on Facebook, have you ever seen the memories thing? So like on this day, two years ago, three years ago, some of y'all, like they come up on mine, they're sometimes 10 years ago. And they're like, Jonathan, I was in diapers 10 years ago. Well, I mean, a little bit longer than that. But the other day, a thing came up on my Facebook memories of this young man that used to be in my youth group named Jonathan Puckett. We just called him Puckett. And Jonathan Puckett today is married in ministry, does worship ministry in a church in Tyler, has two little girls, and is married to, my mind just went blank for a minute there, Elise. Jonathan Puckett started coming to my youth group when he was in the eighth grade. Now, you have to know about Jonathan Puckett is that he, came, he lived with his dad, they lived on Summercrest, those uh, uh, townhomes on Summercrest, the two-story townhomes. And am I right, Melinda, the no church background, no church background. He came with a kid named Patrick at the time. And Jonathan Puckett, this kid that had no church background, his parents, great, great people. His mom has since passed away, but didn't have any church background. Started coming to JG. We called him Zach then. If you go to this day and ask, Puckett, why did we call you Zach? He has no clue. No, no, no part of his name is Zach. <laughs> but little by little, Jonathan Puckett got plugged into what we were doing in our student ministry. Eventually started uh, leading acoustic worship. And at some point when he graduated from Burleson High School, I mean, here's this kid from eighth grade to his senior year, decides to go to a school in Dallas called Christ for the Nations. And we were, you know, somewhat connected. We had sent several, several of our young adults to Christ for the Nations uh, consecutively. And I remember the story of Jonathan being in kind of where they, they eat the, the cafeteria there at Christ for the Nations. I don't know if it's a legit cafeteria, but anyway. And him telling me the story that he saw Elise across the cafeteria and she was leaving and he said, I started running across the cafeteria. And he finally caught up with Elise and um, said, you know, can I have your number? That kind of thing. The rest is history. They both graduated from Christ for the Nations. Her parents uh, were pastors at a church in Tyler. So they moved to Tyler, got married, um, and then served. But I thought about Zach. What was his name? Puckett. Coming to J.G., Wednesday night service as an eighth grader. And that one invitation from his friend Patrick led this kid that had no connection to church really to where he is married to beautiful girls and leads worship at a church. And I thought about where God has placed us. Here's the interesting thing about where God places us is that he doesn't tell us everything he's doing. He doesn't always let us in on the plan that he's working out. Sometimes it seems like, is there really a plan? I want to tell you a real quick story about a woman named Esther. A real quick story. This is out of the book called Esther. So when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer, Mordecai, do you think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all Jews will escape? Now, has anybody ever heard of flannel graph? When I was in 
when I was in kids' church or church, we had flannel graphs. So a little, you remember, like, look, they take the little storybook characters. So I made, I, I made my own storybook characters. Is anybody impressed here? It's something, yeah, aren't you impressed? So here is Queen Esther. Now you have to know the story of Queen Esther that her uncle Mordecai adopted her because she was an orphaned, um, orphaned young. So uncle Mordecai adopts Esther. Esther eventually catches the eye of King Xerxes. And King Xerxes, y'all are impressed with these, aren't you? Look at you're looking at them. I made these myself. I got popsicle stands, tape, and everything. I'm so proud of myself, Mo. Even if you're not. <laughs> so Xerxes marries Esther, and she becomes Queen Esther. Now, if we were doing this, now if we were doing this in Kid Zone, this is Haman, and we boo Haman, boo, boo Haman, boo Haman was jealous of Mordecai. Now, I forgot, I forgot to put this in. Mordecai and Esther were Jews, and Haman hated Jews. So Haman, boo, you're supposed to boo every time I say Haman. <laughs> Haman, boo, convinces Xerxes to make a decree that all Jews, he tricks him, he hoodwinks him, he makes it... Um, not evident what he's doing. And Xerxes makes a decree that all Jews will be killed. There's only one problem. His queen is a Jew. So really, he sends the death sentence to his own bride. So you have to know in that day that the king had what was called a king's court. And you couldn't just walk in and say, what's up, king? <laughs> What's up, king? I came here to talk with you. You had to be invited, even if you were the queen, you had to be invited to come before the king. And if you were bold enough to just go on in to the king's court, the, if you, you would be murdered unless the king lowered his scepter towards you. And what that meant was the scepter being lowered was that he approves of you coming into his court uninvited. So Esther, of course, it's, Esther is like, one way or the other, I could die. If the king's decree is made and all Jews are killed, then I'm dead. So Mordecai, right here in the story, is sending her uncle, is sending her a message. Go before your husband, the king. And she, and she thinks, if I do, I, he could kill me for entering the courts uninvited. So that's where we are right here in this story. No, you cannot have these. <laughs> They're mine. I may be on the floor of my house tonight playing with them. Xerxes, Haman, Boozy, I see. I tell you, they're fun. So look what uh, Mordecai says for if you, to Esther, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and de deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But if you and your father's family will perish, but you and your father's family will perish. But who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. All that leads all the way to our first fill-in. Y'all are like, when are we getting to the fill-ins? That your life may seem insignificant at the moment. When you're thinking about 
What is the purpose of my life? What is the direction of my life? Where am I going? It may seem insignificant at the moment, but know that God is working out details that we know nothing of. By the way, does anybody need fill-ins? Does anybody need fill-ins? We need some fill-ins over here. Can somebody bring fill-ins up here as well? You got to fill them in. Got to take them up. Allie has kept every single one. You look at me. Allie has kept every single one of mine. How many years do you think you've got of notes? So she has this big binder that has every single note that I've ever done. So yeah, you, we, got, we got clipboards, we got highlighters, we got pens, we got babies being passed around. I mean, it's awesome. Now, Chip and Sarah are back from Minnesota. Am I right? So Chip sends us a picture from Minnesota with he and little Blakely on a frozen lake. So the Moore family, all back here in Texas, had a collective gasp where we <laughs> sucked all the wind out of Fort Worth. <laughs> he's on a frozen lake. He's from there. He surely he knows what he's doing, and it's his little girl. <laughs> I don't even know where I was, but know that God is working out details. That first one, in case you're catching up, your life may seem insignificant at the moment, but know that God is working out details that we know nothing about. Right now, we've been placed, just like Esther, we've been placed where we are to make a difference. But Jonathan, I don't feel like I'm making a difference. I don't feel like my life is counting. Here's the deal that right now our lives are carrying out the purposes of God. One of the things that I like about New Year's, how many of you like New Year's because it's a fresh start? Yeah. How many of you like New Year's because it's a, you, you've got, you can, uh, uh, Sam and I figured this out yesterday that you can go back to the gym with a bazillion other people. Yeah, Sam and, Sam and I were at the gym. He goes, what do you want to do? I don't know. <laughs> Let's do chest. <laughs> Here, I'm, share, I'm lifting this with somebody else. I know they're, <laughs> it's people everywhere. But one of the things that we think happens is that God works on New Year. Maybe he does. The word of God says that his mercies are new every morning. But I present to you that God is not moved by the turning of the calendar. We are. We have that sense that the calendar is turned, but I present to you that God is not moved by a new year. That God is not waiting for 2022 to, to fold around for him to do something in our life. God's not waiting for the turn of the calendar and the reset of a year that just like we saying that even when I don't see it, you're working. That he's not waiting for January 1st to roll around and for me to get back into the gym and me to come off sugar or whatever else it is that we try to do in the new year. Let's go to Proverbs. Go ahead and make all the plans you want, but it's the Lord who will ultimately direct your steps. We are in love with our own opinions. Does that help anybody in the passion? We are, if you don't think people are in love with their own opinions, go on Twitter for about seven seconds. <laughs> and I just doubled the time you needed. We are in love with our own opinions. Can I let you know that all the things that people are on social media are spouting and threatening and all uptight about, they do it because they're fear. They're in fear. That's not how we operate it. We are in love with our own opinion, convinced that they're correct. 
but the Lord is in the midst of us. Testing and probing our every motive. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan you make will succeed. Verse four, the Lord works everything together to accomplish Jonathan's purpose. The Lord works everything together to work out your own design and your own purpose. The Lord works everything out for his purpose. Even the wicked are included in his plan and he set them aside for the day of disaster. I like saying that to people that I don't like. I like going up to people that I don't like and I say, you know what, Proverbs 16, 4 to you. <laughs> You're the wicked. No, I'm kidding, I don't do that. The I, You're feeling, the idea is that we're working toward what God is doing. Have you ever had that thought? Have you ever had that thought that in the new year, I'm gonna spend more time with God, I'm gonna set my devotion better, I'm gonna set my church attendance better, and all of those are good things, but we think that God is waiting for us to do something for him to move. And he's not, he's not, oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself, that God is saying, God is saying, I'm already doing something in your life. That when Mordecai sent word to Esther, he's told her, what if God is already working in your life? He said, Esther, what if you've been placed where you are as God's placement? That your lives are placed in this very moment for this very time. Here's the trap in that, is that we think that I should be doing something super, super significant, super, super noteworthy, super, super spectacular for God to be working in my life. And I, and I present to you today that I have a feeling that God places the moments in our life to where we are ministering to somebody at the checkout stand. I have, I have a, a, an idea that God is placing our lives. I had a, a student um, over like right before the Christmas break, mother passed away. And he's not a current student. I had him a couple of years ago. And I just happened to be walking in the hallway during a, my, one of my conferences and I came across him and he was visibly upset. And it had been about five days since she had passed away. And I didn't know he wasn't a current student. And so I, it's so good. People are throwing stuff. I, so obviously I walked up to him and, and, uh, and I said, what's going on, man? He said, my mom passed away last Thursday. And I'm like, you know, that's horrible. And so I ministered to him a little bit. And, you know, those things, you don't, words fail you. Words fail you. What do you say? And that was like the Friday, Thursday before we went out on Christmas break. And, and so I told him and he, he looked at me. He said, would, would you come to my mom's service? I said, of course I will. I said, you let me know what it is. And, and uh, the next day he wasn't at school. And so I've, through a course of uh, contacts, I found out when and where it was and, and went to it. And a pretty good gathering. It was a memorial service outside. And there was a possibility that this student, because he, he was from a sing, his mom was a single parent, that he was going to have to move to Houston. He was very upset that he might have to go to Houston to live with relatives. And so I didn't know. He didn't know. 
So today, today, I'm in the hallway just standing there. Our kids, this was their first day back to high school today. And I'm, a teacher is next to me with her laptop, and she's asking me how to do something for um, purchasing order on Amazon. So I'm like in, you know, intense, you know, important things like Amazon orders. And up next to me, I feel a kid put his arm around me. And that happens to me quite a bit. And so I, he's on this side of me, and so I reach over and I just do that to him because I'm, you know, important stuff, Amazon orders. And I finally look over, and it's him. And so I hugged him or whatever, and the first words out of his mouth were, thank you for being at my mom's service. And I said, I, he said, I didn't, wasn't able to tell you. I said, I found the way, and I wouldn't have missed it. Now, I, I don't know what part I played, but I know that I was placed. I know that I was placed to find him in the hallway. I know that I was placed to be at her service. It was an outdoor service. I know that I was placed to be in the hallway today. I don't think he has even a class my direction. Just to encourage him, I told him I loved him, hugged him, anything I can do. What if, what if those are the moments that God is looking for for us? Because we think, we think, God, you're, you're going to do something in my life when I've got it all together, when I, have, when I have mastered this Christian walk, when I find myself on a platform in front of, you know, 500 people and preaching 5,000 people, when I've got everything, all my ducks are in a row and I finally have figured out how to serve you faithfully and you're pleased with me and God doesn't operate that way. Because God says, I'm going to use you today. I'm going to work through your life today. I'm going to bless somebody else in your life today. Nothing is waiting on the plan of God. Nothing. Here's the cool part. He's not up in arms about you. He's not in a panic over me. He's not in a tither because of what we do. But is looking for ways in our lives to move through us. And only he knows only he knows what he's doing, but he's looking for places and times in our lives that he can use us, that he can work through our lives to bless somebody else. Let me show you this in Isaiah. Isaiah says, for the Lord Yahweh, out of the passion, the Lord Yahweh, I love this, commander of the angel armies. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't have time to talk about it. Makes this solemn decree. Be sure of this, just as I have planned, so will it be. Every purpose, can you imagine God saying this to you? Every purpose of my heart will surely come to pass. This is the plan, God talking. This is the plan that I have determined for the entire world. I will accomplish it by the, the demonstration of my mighty power throughout the earth. For the Lord Yahweh, the commander of the angel armies, has an amazing strategy and who can thwart it? Another word for that is who can stop it? When he moves in power, who can stop him? So I'm asking you, I'm asking you, who's gonna stop God's plan for your life? No one. I'm asking you, who's gonna, who's gonna thwart God's plan for your life? And you know, we, we kind of think we're cute. Well, I can if I decide to do what? No, darling, you ain't that smart. You decide, I'm going I'm to I'm turn away from God or whatever people decide that. 
I'll tell you what, he'll just be tapping you with his goodness here, tapping you with his goodness here, tapping you with his favor here, and he will mess you up until you figure it out. We think that he throws his hands up. Oh, what did they do now? He has a plan for every turn, every twist, every situation, every hope, every desire, every dream, so much so that he said in Zion, nobody can stop me. That the placed heart sees that God is working in the now. He's not waiting for January 1st. He's not waiting for a gym membership. He's not waiting for a new devotional plan. He's not waiting for somebody to fix their mess. He is working right now in the the now. That a placed heart is satisfied in what God is doing. It's tough. That's a tough statement. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I'm dissatisfied. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times that I'm questioning, what's he doing? That the placed heart finds contentment in the moment. Do you know what we have forgotten or we don't know how to do? We don't know how to live in the moment. Y'all stop distracting each other. We don't know how to live in the moment. We've got this idea that we either we have to relive our past or we have to figure out our future and we're never satisfied with where we are. The distracted heart feels like they're missing out on something. You ever heard of FOMO? Fear of missing out. Do you know how much of our lives are, are, are led by fear of missing out? Because no matter what age you are, No matter where you are, you always have this idea, I should be in a different place than I am. I should be in a better place than I am. I'm responsible to be in a different place than I should be, and I am disappointed with myself, and I have this fear that I'm missing out on what I could be or where I could have ended up or what I could have been doing. And do you really honestly, starting with this bald-headed guy, do you really think God is that dumb? That he is, that he's looking at your, that he's looking at your life and your plans. What this is a mess. <laughs> this is a disaster. Sweet, if you'll come on down. Let me show you one last thing in Proverbs. Listen carefully, my dear children, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention to what I have said. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you, I love this out of the passion, then as you unwrap my words, they will impart, what will happen? They will impart truth and radiant health into the very core of your being. When I give my life over to the purpose of God, he reveals his heart to me more. It didn't say he changes his heart. He reveals his heart. Because if I'm all, if I'm all messed up in FOMO, I don't see the heart of God for my life. If I'm all twisted and wound with where I should have been, shoulda, woulda, coulda, I don't see his heart. His heart doesn't operate in that place. God's heart operates in faith that when I know that my life has been placed 
at this moment, for this time, just like Esther, my heart is content in whatever he is doing. You know, you know what the statement, God, what are you doing? Do you know what that, that first of all, that's, it's just absolutely lathered in unbelief, but you know what that's, that, that, God, that God, you have somehow made a mistake and make no mistake, we're, we're foolish to think that because he is perfect in all of his ways. He's never missed a beat. He's never made a mistake. He's never recalculated or rethought his purposes, that all of his intentions are pure. I like this statement. Her name is uh, Pastor Rachel Birchfield. When uh, a camp that we go to, she always says this, and I love this statement. Her statement she'll say from, from frequently is, wherever, whenever, with whomever, and forever. That's a bold statement. That I'm, that how many times are we caught in trying the things of God, trying the walk of faith, attempting to live this life? And God's like saying, I didn't call you to try anything. I didn't call you to try to figure out anything. I called you to depend on my plan for your life and know that I have placed you right where you should be in this moment right now. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that your word is true, that your word is life. And so, Lord, we set our hearts, we set our faith, we set our hope that you are working it out right now every detail of my life, every detail. You haven't missed a thing. And so my, God, my job, God, my job is tonight to let my heart take hold of that and let your word unfold in my heart. In Jesus' name.